Really great question. And I'll probably give tools that people don't think about or do know about, but don't mm-hmm. use the, the biggest one I used honestly was meditation. And it wasn't because of what the, you know, the Buddhism is saying to use meditation. It's because I recognized the power of what meditation was and the ability it gave you to be in a present moment mm-hmm. where you actually had the most ability to play with the mindset, to influence the mindset. Because when you close your eyes, there's nowhere for your human self to focus, but on the thought. And in that space, you have the greatest mm-hmm. opportunity to transform it. And that was the biggest tool. And I don't just do, you know, think of five minute meditations. I do visualization meditations. I go into childhood healing. I go into silent meditation. So I leverage every style of meditation that's proposed on the human level to navigate those experiences in whatever way it is. Say if I was struggling to do outreach as an entrepreneur at the beginning, you're got to move through that worthiness. I would visualize myself doing outreach in a meditative state. And that would eventually reprogram my feedback loop to become easier to do meditation. Cause I was seeing myself doing it in a successful way, not physically present. Welcome to authentic conversations with Ryan James Miller. Join Ryan as he speaks with top business leaders and influencers and hear how they've mastered the art of authenticity to achieve all that they dreamed of. As you hear from these leaders, seek not only to be inspired by their authenticity, but to strive for and master your own. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. I'm excited today because I am sharing some time with a fellow West Coaster, but not quite the West Coast that you may be thinking when you hear me say West Coast, because she is up in Canada, uh, which I'm a huge fan of. I did a quick stint in Canada, and by quick stint, uh, I mean probably about three and a half hours one night a long time ago. Um, But Great country, great people. I actually have quite a few friends that uh, live up in that area. And so I'm excited uh, to have Danielle Grant on the podcast today. She is the CEO and founder of Your Mindset Mentor. Uh, We were connected on LinkedIn, which I know you hear is a redundant theme for me. I meet so many people through there. She was recommended to me as uh, through somebody else, as somebody that I had to have on the podcast. We had a quick chat. And I said, yeah, you're right. I absolutely need to have her on the podcast. So what's up, fellow West Costa? What's up, Ryan? How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. good. I, 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 I figure at some point I'm going to get lots of A's today, huh? Oh, probably. Everyone says that. Maybe some boots and some toques too. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. It's really funny, actually. So my, let's see, my, my first sales job ever Back in 99, uh, I was selling uh, aftermarket wheels and tires for cars. And so we were uh, export, or, um, uh, having a manufactured overseas, uh, brought in, and then we had distribution all over the country. So one of my clients uh, was a guy uh, out of Canada, and that was my first experience. I don't know. I guess I don't know why it was, but it was my first experience like building a relationship with somebody in Canada. And I just loved, I just adored his accent. And he's, you know, it was always, and I know this is the same for everybody. It's like, I don't have an accent. You do, you know? So, but can Canadians have one of just the best ones, especially you West coasters. Um, there's just something so cool about it. So you're already off to a really good start with me. No, I'm into it. I love it. And you're speaking my language from <laughs> tires and, uh, you know, just the car industry that just brings back so many memories for myself. Really? Yeah. I sold luxury cars for uh, two years and then I moved into the finance office. So I used to always sell aftermarket rims and stuff. 
I love that. Okay, so that's quite an interesting journey. <laughs> it is. I mean, at least my excuse is the fact that I started in sales and just kept selling and selling and selling, and I just kind of moved around industry a little bit. But somehow you went from selling cars and then moved into finance, and then through this interesting journey, you are now coaching, leading entrepreneurs in this whole spiritual transformation and mindset space. So what the hell happened? How did that go about? <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, you know, uh, corporate world. I got in the corporate world and I had no idea that I'd ever, I'd ever want to work in cars. And I ended up there um, because the, the GM of the dealership I served when I was bartending one night and he was like, hey, have you ever thought about selling cars? And I was like, no, like, I don't want to sell cars. I want to be a sleazy car salesman, right? <laughs> Sorry, and, salesman uh, of cars. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I will totally like defy that because I was like, well, what brand? And he said Range Rover. And I, immediately I was like, well, shit, I would be into like doing that. And so uh, I went and I got the job and I sold Range Rovers and Jaguars for two years. And I loved did it. It was amazing. And then I moved into the finance office because if you're in the car industry, you know that that's where the, the real money's made in terms mm. of cash for people that work there. And uh, that was actually the last time I worked in the corporate world. The last job I had before I was let go was in the finance office working um, at Volkswagen, actually. And they just what came in one day, like right before my three months were up and said, we're done. Like you're done. And I left that day and I didn't cry. I was totally fine. And I had no idea what I was going to do. And the very next day I uh, opened up an online course and started learning how to build an online business. And that's truly how I got into my entrepreneurship journey was being let go from the car industry. That's pretty wild. I guess it's yeah. interesting too, because we also share the fact that I let, got let go of my final sales job. Uh, and that's what kicked my ass into getting into entrepreneurship. Uh, what a wild ride that was back in 2011 and 12. But that's for a whole nother story. Um, okay, so you uh, you get into entrepreneurship for yourself. I, I think that I saw you spent a short bit of time uh, doing some fashion, right? clothing, something like that? I did. The first online store I had was a drop shipping okay. store for Bohemian and Gypsy fashion. Yep. Correct. Ah, okay. So you do a short stint in that world and then you start exploring marketing. And one of the most fascinating things that um, I, I, I find about you is you talk about the fact that it is far more about mindset and through that you can scale your business generate revenue like that's the big leap that you need to take and i love that because i believe that to be the case and yet most entrepreneurs most ceos that's not where they go and so how did you find that to be the case for yourself and how how are you playing that out in the lives of the clients that you're serving and just the community you're serving yeah, really great question. You know, to be able to answer that, I have to back up all the way to when I was 15. When I was 15 years old, I had created a very dark space for myself. And I actually found myself in a psychiatric ward uh, because I'd wanted to take my life. And that was the first time I found myself questioning why did I believe what I was believing to be true. And that at the basis of mindset, when you understand is that question. And so that actually led me on a personal journey for 10 years of personal development, which is most entrepreneurs, most 
successful CEOs and entrepreneurs have been in this, this personal development world for like 20 years. And there's a a lot of really great information in there. And that helps a lot of us be successful. But after about 10 years, I was 25 and I realized I wasn't really where I wanted to be in life. And I was like, something's missing in all these books. If they say, if you read these books, your life should be in a different spot, but it's not, what am I missing? And that's when I started to become curious about attachment to thought through the understanding of Buddhism and not through a religious, it's not a religion, but understanding what that meant. And that's when I started to understand the ego, the subconscious and the conscious mindsets, which the personal development books don't really talk about. And so through that personal journey, I became extremely obsessed with that. And then when I got into entrepreneurship and I should also add, I didn't really tell anybody about that. It was a very shameful experience at the time for me. And so no one really knew this was a total personal journey that I was on for a long time basically 15 years. And then when I got into entrepreneurship and I had that online store, it wasn't really impactful. And I was like, there's got to be more to this. And I'd always wanted to inspire and motivate people. And that's when I started your mindset mentor. And I was like, man, I've been studying this for 15 years. I think I understand an aspect to personal development and mindset that people are missing. And I actually really understand it to communicate it to people. Mm. And that's when I started your mindset mentor. And it was not, not only for me personally as an entrepreneur, I learned very quickly though, how powerful the mindset was and going through other people's programs and seeing this missing component of mindset, I really saw that if I wanted to be successful, I had to get my own mindset in check before I could even help Mm. anybody else out. And that's when I started applying the things I had learned through the personal development books paired with what I was learning to attachment to thought to become very powerful in my own mindset. And I, I moved very quickly. And that's when I started to be able to help other entrepreneurs because I was not only putting myself through it as an entrepreneur, but I actually was seeing the success of parents mindset with business strategy and all the other programs I was learning. And so now I really help entrepreneurs who have been in the personal development space for so long, but are up against a wall and just not sure, understand the missing piece of the ego, the subconscious and the conscious. And through that, they're able to see why they live within these mental patterns and why they attract what they attract and why they've hit the wall. And then they're able to create the new reality and push through it, leveraging mindset, which is really just thoughts and beliefs and stories. Okay, that was a massive <laughs> mouthful, which is great. I, I hope people track, but there's two two things that I want to touch on in there. So one is ego. I'm going to leave that for a second and come back to that. But I want to talk about, so you use the word shame. And I think that's a trigger word for so many people because at some point in their life, everybody has dealt with it. And I, being a gambler many times throughout my life, trying not to do it very actively now, but I would gamble and say that the majority of people experience some form of shame right now in their present life, either from past that is imposing on their current, you know, on, on their current life, or it's something that they're currently experiencing because of present day circumstance. So what you said, you know, you're on this personal journey your own mindset and personal development. So what was so shameful about that journey for you that you were ashamed to share it? You were ashamed to expose yourself. Like why that? It's a really great question. And it's a really good question because the reason why I'd created so much shame around that was because the way those close to me had were experiencing the experience themselves. And what I mean by that is 
my mom was the one that brought me to the hospital to check me in there. And she was so embarrassed that I was the only child out of the friend group that was going through this, that she didn't want to share it with anybody. And mm -hmm. so because of that behavior, and, and it, there's no shame on her or, or resentment towards her. That's how she was dealing with it. But because of that, I projected that onto myself that I should also feel that way. And so we became not a lot of people in our family knew about it because of that reason. And so I felt like no one should know about it. And so when we look at why people are like that, it's because we're afraid of what other people are going to think about us most often because we think other people aren't having those same experiences as us. So that's really the root of why I, I was so afraid to share it with people because someone I cared about was making me feel like I shouldn't be okay with sharing it. That's so, yeah. I mean, I think that... <clears throat> That is such a difficult spot to be in because, you know, we don't want to impose those things on other people. Like as a parent to my kids, like I don't, I don't want to be ashamed of them. Um, I don't want them to feel like I'm ashamed of them. And yet I can understand that from a societal perspective, from a cultural perspective, when you are not in the, the flow and normalcy of whatever's going on around you, that can definitely become a challenge to, to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, so curiously, like how, how did you see your mom through that? I mean, you said like you understood, but did that strain that relationship or do you feel like it helped it in the long run? Like what did that do? At the time I didn't understand it. And that's why for a long time I, I didn't become vocal about it because I wasn't of that understanding. But again, mm -hmm. when I understood the attachment to thought, I saw where she was coming from and that's what allowed me to see that it, what the actual experience was. But in terms of our relationship, yeah, it was really, it put a strain on us and, and for a long time, we didn't really have the relationship we could have had uh, because I felt like there was also many things in my life that I was doing that were out of the norm, like you just said, society. And she was, again, afraid to tell people about what I was doing in life because it didn't seem normal or like what all of her friends were doing. And so, yeah, it did strain our relationship. But I just want to share, you know, uh, she did the best that she could do with what she knew. Yeah. Yeah, that, okay, so that is a key. And I picked up on when you said it earlier. I, I, I think, again, that's so important for us, both in the way that other, pre, uh, other people treat us through circumstances like that, but even in ourselves, right? Like we, we're only equipped with certain things and we absolutely want to be real about the fact that, you know, if we've made a mistake, if we put ourselves into a bad position or somebody else has done that to call a spade a spade and, and be willing to hit that head on and figure out a way to deal with it and move on. But I think too often we don't give ourselves, I use this word a lot, you know, like we don't give ourselves the grace in the moment or the other people, the grace in the moment to understand that everything around us that has influenced us to that point is what causes us to do the things that we do. And again, too, too often people bail out on that and use that as an excuse to do bad. And I, I, like that's out. But for so many of the normal things that we deal with every day, that's so important. So I hope people hear that. And I hope people can hear that again. It's like, we have to understand that circumstances create the environment that we're in, even when it's with other people. Okay, so you you go on this journey. <clears throat> the other thing that you talked about as you were sharing five, 10 minutes ago, you talked about ego. Um, so um, that is probably one of the greatest barriers to progress that 
anybody can have in life. Um, Ryan Holiday's The Ego of the Enemy, I believe, is one of the most fantastic books on the subject. Uh, it's interesting, too, because, you know, you speak about having a, a Buddhist influence. Ryan is a Stoic philosopher. <clears throat> um, I'm a Christian, and yet uh, across all three of those kind of planes, we all see that very similarly in this idea of what the ego is and what it prevents us from doing. So as that began to present itself to you, what were some of the tools that you used to overcome your own ego to continue to step into that process because that included you getting let go. So that just had to be a dent to the ego. Then you jumped into this business that, um, you know, probably you thought was going to go great. You really weren't feeling it. So that had to be another kind of dent to the ego. And then you jump into entrepreneurship for your like completely. And that's like the worst dent to the ego for most people. <laughs> so what were the tools that were, you were using to, to, to get through that? Really great question. And I'll probably give tools that people don't think about or do know about, but don't use the, the biggest one I used honestly was meditation. And it wasn't because of what the, you know, the Buddhism is saying to use meditation. It's because I recognized the power of what meditation was and the ability it gave you to be in a present moment mm. where you actually had the most ability to play with the mindset, to influence the mindset. Because when you close your eyes, there's nowhere for your human self to focus, but on the thought. And in that space, you have the greatest mm. opportunity to transform it. And that was the biggest tool. And I don't just do, you know, think of five minute meditations. I do visualization meditations. I go into childhood healing. I go into silent meditation. So I leverage every style of meditation that's proposed on the human level to navigate those experiences in whatever way it is. Say if I was struggling to do outreach as an entrepreneur at the beginning, you're got to move through that worthiness. I would visualize myself doing outreach in a meditative state. And that would eventually reprogram my feedback loop to become easier to do meditation. Cause I was seeing myself doing it in a successful way, not physically present. So that was the first one I used, and I still use to this day. It's a big foundation of my business and what I use with my clients. But the second one is pen to paper. Wait, you're, yep. you're, I, I know you'll, you'll remember the second one later. So I have to ask <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so on this idea of meditation, so to some people that's uh, comfortable, um, but for the most part, that's either a little bit awkward or extremely foreign. So you mm -hmm. said that you use this as a tool in your business with the people that you work with today. So how do they receive that? I mean, like they're, you know, they engage you and obviously they, they must know about you and they understand your background. They've read up on you. So they kind of get your approach, but you're like, okay, you know, so you want to go from 10,000 to a hundred thousand dollar month in your business. So we're going to talk about meditation and vis visualization. And most of those people, they've got to at least be thinking in their head, what the F is she talking about? Like, I need to know like steps one through 10 to generate more revenue. And you're like, Shh, be quiet. We're going to visualize this. <laughs> The most resistance I get from clients is on the meditation or on the second thing I was going to say too. Immediately, it's like, you want me to do what? And I'm yeah. like, listen, let me explain to you why. <laughs> so yes, but you know, to that, the biggest thing I tell people, and this is what I learned studying with Buddhist monks is 
our societal perception of meditation is extremely distorted. Mm. What we think meditation is, is that you sit down, you close your eyes and it's supposed to be silent. And so people don't understand the value in meditation because they think that they have to sit down and be silent. And how does that correlate to business? But that's, that's actually has nothing to do with it. And we're never supposed to start in meditation with a silent mind. It's mm. an ever, ever ending journey of enlightenment if you so desire. So once you move through that barrier of explaining right away, meditation is not about sitting in silence. It offers the opportunity for the mindset to actually become curious about, oh, well, what else is there to meditation then? Because mm -hmm. I do hear so much good about it. What else could you show me about it? And that's when the, the conversation opens up to, let me show you what's really going on in meditation from a frequency of vibration standpoint and how that impacts you wanting to go from the 10,000 to the hundred thousand dollar months. And once you move through that barrier, it becomes a lot easier for people to see why they're doing it. Yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, I know for me, you know, uh, again, even as a Christian, uh, there are references to meditating on and, um, but it's, it's fairly foreign. And what was a big breakthrough for me was I read again, just an ode, I guess, to Ryan Holiday all throughout this, but he wrote a book last year called Stillness is the Key. And he talks about the stillness of the mind total foreign subject to me. I mean, I'm like a go, go, go person. The thought of being in silence and solitude is like my purgatory. And, and so when I was reading though, the stories, he was using stories of all of these different famous people throughout history. And I think it was Woodrow Wilson. I'm not positive, but one of presidents from history talking about his stillness of the mind and meditation was done walking the Rose Garden and the way that he would meditate on decisions and ideas. And it was just, it was fascinating to me. I'm like, whoa, there's more than one way to do this other than just to be quiet in a closet. Like, uh, you know, now I can be into this. So that's awesome. I, I, I love hearing, you know, you, you share that. Okay. So you said that was one barrier. Uh, and then I interrupted barrier number two. <laughs> so, uh, so what, what, what's kind of like that second step? The second step is pen to paper. And this is something that a lot of people miss is, uh, you know, when we think pen to paper, we think journaling and there's a mm -hmm. big distorted perception in our society around journaling or pen to paper. And again, people are super resistant to it, but I leveraged it in the sense of understanding that the words that I was speaking and the words that I were thinking was what was creating my reality. And so when I would be in an ego place of resistance in my business or feeling like I wasn't good enough or afraid to get on live stream, I would put pen to paper because not only was I able to get the thoughts out of my head onto a piece of paper, by doing that, my subconscious was actually able to see it differently, allowing me the opportunity to present what I was believing to be true. And then an opportunity to present what I would want to believe to be true through putting pen to paper. And, and that's all that it is, is of like, I'm believing I can't get on live stream because of fear. I'm afraid of people judging me. I'm afraid of what people will think. And then it was like, what do I want to believe to be more true if that wasn't the case? And I would start to write it down. And I started to see the power in, again, reprogramming my subconscious by watching what my words were and watching what I was saying. And then by writing that, I found myself speaking that way. And then it became very easy to move through those ego chatter and limitations. So if I hear that, so are you saying that it's, I'm documenting my belief, false belief kind of first. So I'm writing that out and then I'm rewriting it as I want to see it. So you're doing both. Correct. That when you do that in the moment, you have the opportunity to transform that belief in the subconscious and what it looks like. 
That's so wonderful. I mean, I, I know, you know, when I'm coaching people, one of the things that I tell them is, you know, you think you've hired me to, to teach you what to do. I said, more than anything, I'm here to be a mirror to reflect what you're saying back on yourself. So you can hear what you say from somebody else. It's just, it's so profound how it sounds so different and then allow you to decide whether or not what you've just said is actually what you believe or you intend to do. And so often people are like, I didn't, that's not what I meant. And I'm like, no, 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 that's exactly what you just said. And so if that's not what you want to live as, you need to change your frame of mind. So that's wonderful that you take that, you know, practice to pen to paper, because like you said, I mean, just visualizing it, I guess it's the vision board, but on a moment by moment basis, as you're struggling and reframing what you think you see to what you want to see. So that's awesome. That's so good. Yeah, it's it's changed my life, you know, and, and for those people who are listening right now that maybe, you know, don't, don't have the funds or potential to invest in a coach, this one thing acts like your coach, because like you said, it actually allows you to show yourself the mirror and say like, this is what I believe. Oh, no, I don't want to believe that this mm. is actually what I want to believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess what would stand in the gap there, this is an ode to coaches where some instruction comes into play, and, and I'm sure you do this so well with your clients, it's, you know, a lot of times then um, it's, I, I, I can dictate or document my false belief, then I can reframe what I really want to believe, but then I guess the next big challenge is always, how do I get there? Because it's one thing to to speak to where we want to go. It's another thing to actually forge the path to get there. And so I'm sure that's one big thing that you're helping your clients with, right? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you, you who wouldn't have a coach? They always allow you to see what you can't see either way, right? And it's so much easier to take action with someone else supporting you than by yourself. <laughs> but also helping, like right now this conversation, someone listening to it could listen to that and be like, well, I can only make it if I have a coach and then it becomes a limiting belief for them. Mm -hmm. That's not true. It just adds more momentum to where you are, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that that's fantastic. I'm so glad you said that. I mean, I think that, you know, there is acceleration uh, in adapting to, I mean, adopting other things that are gonna help us get where we want to go faster, but that doesn't mean you need. And I think that too often today, this is why I shit on a lot of very prominent coaches and speakers and motivational people today. I try not to do that publicly that much because I don't want <laughs> to be that person, but too many people, right? Too many people, you know, they, and, and, and the ad is always look at me and where I've gotten to do what I've done and you can get here too. And we all know, right? I mean, every single one of us is created differently and we have unique gifts and talents and experiences and challenges and false beliefs and so many other things that it's not gonna work the same for two people. And even if you follow the exact same methodology, which you know, you and I were coaching on a specific methodology that we believe works for our client type, but even then the outcome that they're gonna produce, two people running the exact same path is gonna be so different. So when, when so many of these prominent people portray this massive lie, which is do what I've done, get to where I am. And, and that get to where I am is almost always fancy car, big house, billions, of dollars and money. It's just so garbage. And actually talk about a way to ruin people. I mean, I say it all the time, like that creates 
more shame, more false belief, more struggle, more demotivation. Like that puts people into dark pits like I have never seen before. And I'm like, well, how did you get there? Well, I went to this event and I tried to do it and it didn't work. And so now I'm worse off than I started. Like, it's just so bad. It's so bad. I feel you, Matt. I'm super passionate about the same thing as you. But I think that's also the whole conversation of mindset. Like, yeah, let's sell a program. You, here I am, want to get to where I am, follow my, my, my cookie cutter blueprint. But the cookie cutter blueprint forgets about every individual's limiting beliefs and childhood experiences and self-sabotaging behaviors. So you want to train them on a cookie cutter thing, but they can't even get the cookie cutter because they're in their own goddamn way because their mindset's holding them back. So yeah. why, how can we sell them that? You know, yeah. and then now we're in this marketing thing where everyone's in a perpetual cycle of buying everyone's shit. Well, the thing that will actually help you be successful in any of those is you getting out of your own way. But that's the mindset part that's not being sold to people. Yeah. Well, or, and even too, you know, as we talk about this, <clears throat> I've been really hesitant more so lately than before to use the word mindset only because it's become the, the newest bastardized term, right? Like get the growth mindset, have a, a mindset of grit you know, mindset, mindset, just do the mindset thing and it's going to all work. But I think what you say, what is so important is most of the mindset that's being taught again is here's the mindset you need in order to, whereas what you're saying is until you go back and deal with every bit of shit that's piled on you to this moment, no matter what you add to it, it's still going to be a pile of shit behind you and you're going to have to deal with it at some point. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a lot of people hear that right now and are like, right away, their egos, like, it sounds like way too much work. It's intense. Like, I don't want to do the emotional inner work, the shadow work. I'm not into it. But what people have to understand it here is it's a lot easier than you're making it out to be. And all your shit's connected. So once you start rocking and rolling in one, you start rocking and rolling through all of your mindsets. And there doesn't need to be this idea that it's hard and difficult. You just need to find the right way to do it. And what you just said about mindset being such a broad term now, I actually don't even like to call myself a mindset coach. I'm a vibration and frequency coach because your beliefs, thoughts, and stories are the vibration and frequency that you hold to be true that actually attracts your reality and creates your reality. And so that's what mindset really is. And part of that comes from this idea of Carol Duick, who says mindset is growth and um, growth and fixed mindset. It's not. Mindset is about the understanding of where you're emotionally attached and how to detach from that state, allowing a neutral space, which allows you to actually move forward in your mindset. Well, as much as I like Carol Dweck and mindset, I think you just kind of shattered her definition in a really good way. <laughs> Take that, Carol. <laughs> I, I can only do that because I'm about to put a post out in a couple hours exactly on that topic. That's why I just rolled that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. I think I could rant like this for way too long. And, and I hope people are enjoying it because if not, oh, well, whatever. Uh, okay, so I, there, there's something else. It's really... It's going to be connected to this, but I'm just so intrigued to hear your experience of living with Buddhist monks. I mean, that just sounds like such a wild journey to me. So maybe a little bit about how you got in there, but more so, I just like, what was that like? Well, so here you go. First of all, I didn't live with them. And here's the crazy part about this story. So, and this is what people will be so shocked by. 
I first found out about the whole Buddhist culture, not first found out, but really got into it when I went to Thailand on a trip with some friends and I became like, like really drawn to it. So then I came back to Canada and like, you wouldn't think we have Buddhist monks here, right? Like that's not something that we really have here, but we do. And so what I did is I came home and I was like, how do I find a temple or something that I can go engage with these, these monks with and learn from them? And they're, like I said, we don't really have that up here. So I ended up finding this like meetup group of a, a group of eight Buddhist monks that were from Sri Lanka that were in a normal house, everyday normal house that were living there. And every Friday you could go and be mentored by them. And I was like, Oh my God. And so that's actually how I got into it. And every Friday I would go and I would understand more about it. And I'd have the opportunity to learn from them and meditate. But it was such, again, a different mindset of what we would think that would look like. It was in a regular house in Canada with monks from Sri Lanka. And so I did that for six months every Friday with them. And then I started getting more of the texts and the books. And then I became obsessed with really diving into that deeper. But it was it was the most amazing thing. And it, what's crazy is it would be the most defying experience in a regular house. But the minute you walk through that door, it was like you were transported into this like most serene, peaceful, calm place. So it was just the most amazing thing. Yeah. I mean, I totally pictured like, <laughs> I know this house in the middle of the jungle, but it's really more of like a hut or maybe like you had to walk like deep down into this cave. So <laughs> I'm not, yeah. no, I'm just kidding. But, but, but I think what's so cool about that, again, you know, we all have these experiences that kind of break the rhythm of what we assume things to be. And what I love about that is, is the obvious story would have been, right? I traveled over to this country and I'm out in the middle of the jungle, which was dope, right? That would have been so cool. It but the fact been. that like in British Columbia, you found this place on meetup of all places that you could go and learn and grow. And so, again, I feel like this is such a, a, um, a, a common theme or thread, which is you desired something, you really put that out there and, and intended to do it. Something was brought to your attention, literally brought to you, and you were able to create that journey for yourself without having to travel, you know, tens of thousands of miles away or whatever to do that. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's such, again, though, just like our mindsets believe one thing to be true. And if it's not that way, it can't be. And we have to break that mold for ourselves. Mm. Okay, so you, you are hustling up a storm now. I mean, that is just like the entrepreneurial life. Um, But I'm interested, apart from the business outcomes like what is day-to-day practice for you so you don't fall back into the trap because again i think too many people feel would would think that well now danielle's got it together and it's all dialed in and i'm sure you you have the good rhythms together but what is that day-to-day experience that prevents you from getting back into that dark hole of shame or back to the child and or the you know failing again or Gosh, I mean, even to the the place you were mentally where, you know, at one point you thought you wanted to take your life. Yeah, it's a really great question. And uh, kind of in context of this whole conversation, I keep it really simple. 
And I do definitely have things in place, but I will start by saying they start with a piece of paper that's on my wall that has boxes that I can check that keep me accountable to my daily actions. And I think as entrepreneurs, we get so stuck in tools and all the things and we get busy that we don't keep something simple that keeps us accountable. And so I have something that says morning meditation, morning affirmations, morning journaling, midday affirmations, midday meditation. And these are like maximum 10 minutes of my day that I allow myself the space that allow me to get recentered and grounded. But this morning I, you know, I listened to a meditation that allowed me to feel like I was infinite potential. Um, I read some affirmations that I created about the work that I'm working on right now and the clients that I'm wanting to attract. And by doing these simple things, they allow my mindset to go to a place that isn't my business. And when I do that, I'm filling up this cup of your soul. And when you fill up your cup of your soul, you become much more productive as an entrepreneur. And so it's really important that I do these things and I do them. So again, morning, midday and night, and they're not always perfect. They're not always at the same time, but I allow myself to make sure I get the check mark on the piece of paper. And that's what keeps me accountable to moving forward. And again, it's like, depending on what I'm going through, maybe in the middle of the day, I'm like feeling really off balance and uncreative. I'll go into one of the, my meditations I've created that's on focus and flow or around content creation. Um, I'll always look at the affirmations I have based on what my end intention is of impacting a million entrepreneurs. So I definitely do the things that allow my mindset to stay in an optimal place. Plus, you know what? I spend a lot of time walking outside because as you mentioned, that is one of the most meditative spaces that we're in. Meditation again, looks different in many ways. Open-eyed walking in a beautiful nature is just as much of a meditation. And one of the things you said earlier is one of the presidents came to lots of his thing, um, ideas. I solely built this business off meditation. All of my business and offers all came through meditation. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's nothing more important, I believe, for an entrepreneur, a business, actually for anybody, forget that. There's nothing more important to the success of an individual, however they define that success, than self-belief. Belief, mm -hmm. not just in who you are, because obviously we're going to struggle with that, but also a deep-seated belief in what we're doing and where we desire to go. And I am not, and this offends a lot of people, like I am not the name it and claim it person. Like, you know, I, I, I really struggle with just thinking I just put something out there and it's going to come to me. Like it takes a lot of hard ass work to get to where we want to go. But if we don't believe, like if we don't believe in who we are, which again, like that's all about that self-work that you've done to unpack everything from your childhood that has made you who you are today. Like if you don't do that, if you don't really sit in that pocket of what you desire to do and helping the clients that you're currently serving and want to serve in the future and believe that you're really making a difference, you are just never going to achieve that full potential that you've been created to achieve. Never. And the reason why, Ryan, is because everyone operates from their past and creating from their past and trying to claim success from their past stories. And what you're talking about right now, the belief is the thing that allows you to create in your future self. That's the difference. Mm. Damn, that's good. I mean, <laughs> Got all that mindset wisdom today. <laughs> you're feeling your own flow. <laughs> you should see me coach myself, man. When I'm in like, I'm like, what would you say to a client right now? Like, get your shit together, Danielle. Yeah. It's yeah. I actually, you know, I, I think that's pretty good. You know, I mean, I, I think that for me, I'm a very black and white person when I treat myself. I used to treat other people that way too. And I learned really hard um, that 
it, it doesn't work for most people. Like I just, I need to be told like it is, cut it, you know, cut it to me straight and let me just suck it up and deal with it. That doesn't mean I'm not gonna, you know, struggle with, you know, what's been said or have to take a few days before I can step back into something that I've failed or struggled in. But it's like, when it comes to me talking to me, I'm like, dude, you just, you know, get through the bullshit, right? It, it, it's time that you really go to work. Or, you know, when I, some, some days, thankfully not this week yet, but, you know, some days I'll come in and I'm screwing around for the first couple of hours. Like I'm getting a few things done here and there, but I'm like, what am I doing? You know, like I have these massive <laughs> desires in my business and I know I'm capable of more. I'd crap on my own clients for acting like this. And here I am, what am I doing? You know, so I get it. I mean, like I, I, I gotta be the first one to tell myself what's going on. Yeah, totally. I am definitely the coach of no bullshit. Every one of my clients is like, the best thing you do for me is tell me how it is. I'm like, yeah. Okay. That, that should be the new, like your, you know, LinkedIn headline right now <laughs> really should be the coach of no bullshit. Like, I don't know if LinkedIn would flag that. You could just have to put a couple of like characters in some of the letters, but that's what people should really want. Again, like it's, it's so easy to find a coach that makes you feel good. It's so easy to find a coach that has claimed, whether or not it's really true, claimed so much success in their own life. But I think that what we all need, and, and we definitely need to align to personality, to values, but once, once we align to those two things, we should want no bullshit. Like, tell me like it is, love me enough to tell me when I'm wrong, be gracious enough to walk me through when I'm struggling, but be honest, be straightforward. And I think too many people sugarcoat stuff because they're afraid to lose a client or offend somebody. I'm like, no, that's just wasting everybody's life. Yeah, I don't have time to waste people's lives. And that was you know, something I learned uh, being in my position was having to allow people to bite back at that and be mad at the truth because they don't mm. like to hear the truth. But the, I know when I've got them in that space that they're biting back, I'm making a difference because they're not getting the fluff. They're actually in the transformation there. Yeah, that, that's good. Yeah, one of my favorite things with my own clients is, um, <clears throat> is when they tell me something and then later on, uh, like, you know, tell me something that they want to be or that they want to do. And then, you know, we'll talk a week or two later. And I'm like, so, hey, you know, how did da 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 go? Oh, you know, I didn't get to. I'm like, hold on a minute. You told me, you told me that you wanted to achieve or that you, what happened? Well, you know, I'm like, no, either you lied to me <laughs> or you allowed something else to distract you from getting to, you know, so again, it's just, it's cutting through all that. And it's, it's that mirror of reflection. It's just telling them exactly what they've told you. So that's so good. So good. Doesn't everybody want to work with Danielle right now? I mean, come on, like, this is what you really want. Like you really want people that are going to help you through these things. <clears throat> um, okay. So what does the future hold for you? you? You threw out this crazy number of impacting a million entrepreneurs. That's pretty wild. But like, what, what, what do you see as your future? Maybe a little bit more short-term future in where your business goes next. Yeah, the short-term future that I see my business in right now is, is really allowing more people to access me through uh, my offers and programs specifically around the lower ticket stuff. It, you know, there's this big hype out there in the online space that everything's be high ticket. Cause you want all this time freedom. And I'm like, ah, I just really want to help people. And 
I, I really want to be able to get as much of my mindset wisdom in front of people as possible because I understand the power in it and how fast it can change. And so the short term is really getting as many people as I can into my mindset accountability system because once you create that, you become very unstoppable in any aspect of your life. And that is really the short-term focus for the next three, three years is focusing on bringing people into that community, as well as growing out my podcast. I have a podcast as well, the Mind Vibe podcast, shameless plug. And uh, it's, um, it's really powerful because I share my personal stories of going through my childhood experiences. And so over the next three years, I really wanna be able to grow that out and have people hear that wisdom because that's a complimentary offer. That's awesome. That's so good. Gosh, Danielle, I mean, these conversations to me are like selfishly, like for everybody that listens, like, thank you, but this wasn't for you. I mean, I just, (laughs) I I mean, hopefully Danielle, it's for you in the sense that somebody's going to connect with you and add to that million. But you know, it's just, it's, it's so wonderful for me, wonderful for me. It's so refreshing. It's so fulfilling for me to hear again, like philosophically, you and I are going to see things a little bit differently, right? Like there's just some foundational differences and yet the, 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 the desire is very similar and how we're trying to help people getting from A to Z. There's a lot of similarities there. And what I love so much is you are just such a real human being. And, you know, again, like we connect with people online, you present your, yourself so well on social media. And that's very easy to do, right? Anybody can put a polished profile and content and you doctor yourself up really well when you go to record video or you write things and you edit it 17 times and everything just looks so put together. But what I love the fact is, is you are you. And I can see like, this is why I love video is like, you are just so passionate about what you're sharing. I can tell that there's just so much vulnerability and honesty and how you share what you're sharing. So this was awesome. Like, I'm so thankful that we got connected through LinkedIn and we were able to have this conversation. And I guess I will say, I hope a lot of people hear it and get value out of it too. (laughs) No, I appreciate it so much, Ryan. I was so honored to uh, hear someone even nominate me. And this has been such a great conversation. I've never really shared it in this aspect before. So I'm grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Well, you know, uh, this is normally the time where it's like, okay, you know, uh, what are the 17 steps to somebody else connecting with you? And we do a business pitch and I've been trying not to do that. Uh, You know, we talked about online and for people listening, we're now kind of in this rhythm of you just listening, you know, listening to a story like yours, Danielle, and, and somebody's going to resonate with some piece of it, whether that, you know, compels them to want to reach out to you directly, which we'll talk about contact information in a second, or it just triggers in their mind or their heart, something that they experienced and realize that they need to go back and deal with. And so hopefully, you know, our conversation has given them some light to that. And then even some of those very, you know, simple, though I know complex when you're working on them tools um, that you talked about are just can be so beneficial to people. So, I mean, thank you so much. I mean, this has just been wonderful and I'm confident that people are going to be impacted by today. Yeah, I agree. I think this was a very impactful conversation. Thank you for allowing the container and space. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so what are the good ways that people can connect with you if they feel like I just want to know her more or maybe they want to engage with you? What, what are the best ways to do that? Honestly, the best thing I would say to people is check out my podcast first because you're going to get a really good understanding of who I am and the kind of things that I'm talking about. 
And then hit me up on LinkedIn. I mean, I could send you to every other platform, but honestly, I only give a shit about LinkedIn. So come on, <laughs> hang out with me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, I'm, I am the real deal. I don't edit my shit 17 times. Like I show up how it is. I share my truth and I would love to connect with you guys over there and uh, say hi, like reach out. I'm a real human. Not enough people actually are like, Hey, I heard you on this podcast, but when you do, it typically ends up in a beautiful conversation and it's not a sales pitch. So I encourage people to reach out. Yeah, that's good. Okay. So the podcast is the mindset is mindset mentor, correct? No, no, that's Rob Dial. The Mind Vibe or Mind Vibe Podcast. The Mind, Mind Vibe. Vibe. Sorry. Yeah. Mind no, Vibe. Edit that out. I'm not going to cut it out, but just you didn't hear that. So the Mind yeah. Vibe Podcast, that's definitely something that you want to check out. Uh, we'll link that in the show notes. I'll also link uh, contact information uh, or a link to uh, Danielle's LinkedIn profile so you can contact her there um, if you have any questions. If you got anything for me, you know where to find me. Again, this was just another wonderful opportunity for us to share a story very authentically about how somebody steps through the journey of life and gets to the place that they do, which is hopefully a place of fulfillment, of joy. If you're watching on video, you can see a lot of that in Danielle's face today. So hope you really liked it. As often as I say, or as often as I can remember to say, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Authentic Conversations with Ryan James Miller. If you found value in today's episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and share it with others. To connect with Ryan and learn more, visit ryanjamesmiller.com.